Welcome to At Home in Your Hymnal. This is Pastor Clint Poppy. Along with me today is Pastor Christopher Morundi. We are privileged to be pastors at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. The purpose of At Home in Your Hymnal is to teach not only what is in the hymnal for uh, a more enhanced opportunity and experience when we come together for corporate worship, but as the title of the program suggests, to be at home in our hymnal, not only in the corporate worship setting, but also in our home. Today on episode six, we want to tackle the question of the Psalms, the Psalter. Pastor Mirandi, we have 66 books in the mm-hmm. Bible. What is it, uh, aside from the obvious length, <laughs> what is it that separates the book of Psalms uh, the Psalter, as it is oftentimes referred mm-hmm. to, what is it that separates or distinguishes the book of Psalms from the other 65 books? It, it is completely unique in that it is a hymnal itself. It is uh, it is the Word of God to us, but it's not just the Word of God to us. It is the Word of God for us to speak back to God. And uh, so, so these are not just words for us to hear, but words for us to speak. And certainly elsewhere in the Bible, there are prayers that we can then take on our lips, uh, most especially the Lord's Prayer. But the entirety of the Psalter is God speaking to us, and then we take those very words and speak them back to God. So that, this is the hymnal of the church, a very different character uh, than any other book in the Bible. When you say hymnal of the church, what do we know about how the... Uh Uh, Jewish nation or Mm -hmm. the early Christians used the Psalter as a hymnal. Yeah, it it permeated the life of of the church, both Old Testament and New. It uh, uh, filled their daily life. It filled their worship life on on either Saturday in the Old Testament or Sunday uh, in the New Testament. it gave content to their prayers. It was it, for the monks of uh, of the Christian era. They read through. They prayed the Psalter every single week. Uh, for the Jews of 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 Jesus's day, they read through the Psalter. I don't know if it was every week, but it was very uh, very often. They worked their way through the Psalter. It was just it was kind of the heartbeat of their life, and it described and and taught them how to live their life in God, and so. Uh, the Psalter then becomes the basis for much theology. It becomes a basis for devotional uh, life. It becomes the basis for Christian hymnody. It becomes a part of the divine service itself. I'm sure we'll probably talk about how it's used in uh, the very worship service, uh, worship services of the people of God. Uh, the Psalm, the Psalms. I, I don't think you can overestimate their importance, and I think today. Um, I know certainly for myself, uh, even a- after having been a pastor for a little while, uh, the psalm the psalms are still kind of a book that uh, we need to learn more about and uh, continue to expand our knowledge of. When we when we look at the psalms, we see that it is uh, structured differently. Mm-hmm. Some of the psalms are very short, like yep. Psalm one nineteen. Some of the psalms are very long. Or uh, short, yeah. like one seventeen. <laughs> yes, yes. Excuse me, and uh, very long, like one nineteen. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also see that they are not in any kind of a narrative chronological yeah. order. Uh, when you are teaching your students mm-hmm. at Concordia Seward, uh, the history and literature of the Old Testament, mm-hmm. how do you approach 
the Psalms with them. Yeah, it, it's it's very difficult to categorize the Psalms. The, the book of the the book of Psalms is divided up into, I believe, it's five different books, and those books are roughly chronological, not exactly chronological, but roughly so, so that you move kind of from the time of David and some Psalms that are very specifically tied to historical events in David's life. And then the, the end of the book of Psalms is more for the people of God in exile and post-exile. That's very broad. There are a lot of exceptions to that. I mean, the Psalm of Moses is Psalm 90, so <laughs> right right smack dab in the middle, uh, you have a psalm, well, the oldest psalm in the Psalter uh, that we know of, uh, that we know the date of. Um, so it's very difficult to categorize the psalms in any sort of way. Some of them do group together in a, sort, in a certain way. There's kind of a flow, uh, certainly from Psalm 22 to 23 to 24, we can see a, psalm, a flow there. The Psalms of Ascents, uh, those, uh, that is Psalm 121, am I remembering correctly, through, uh, through 120. And, and one, describe what you mean, yeah. explain what you mean by ascent. Yeah. That, that is one of the few Psalms that we actually know the liturgical context for. Those were the Psalms that the pilgrims sang as they made their way up to Jerusalem for the festivals. And uh, so these psalms are very much focused on a desire and a longing to be in God's house. So, so those psalms are actually quite, uh, we know exactly how they were used. And uh, um, pilgrims throughout history have been singing those psalms as they made their, way, made their way to Jerusalem. So what I do is, yes, I introduce, here's kind of perhaps how the book kind of goes together. And certainly the five books of the psalms, it's very easy to see them. Um, even if you didn't have the English titles, there, there's a there's a doxological, a praise of God verse at the end of each of these uh, each of these books. So you can tell the division between the five books. But can you really? I I would defy someone to know exactly how the Psalms are put together. So what I usually do then is I go topically. And so we talk about uh, the royal psalms. We talk about the penitential psalms, the psalms that crying out for forgiveness of sins. We talk about the psalms of lament, that is the sufferer crying out to God uh, for aid. Uh, we talk about uh, the messianic psalms. Now, all the psalms are messianic. They're all the voice of Christ because they're God's word. Uh, but there are psalms that specifically deal with the Messiah, and they kind of overlap with the royal psalms. And uh, we have psalms of thanksgiving and praise, and 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 perhaps you could even subdivide uh, some of those categories a little bit further. But that that's typically how I do it. I find that's really the only way to kind of get a handle on a book that can be incredibly overwhelming. The uh, the psalms can be quite daunting. Yes, and uh, this is classified the psalms in general. The 150 psalms that are included in the book of Psalms are classified as wisdom literature. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes they're classified as poetry. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, when we're talking about these broad scriptural categories of of poetry or wisdom literature, mm -hmm. um, explain to our hearers what that means yeah. and why and why the book of psalms by design is a completely different genre than uh, a narrative story yeah. like the book of ruth yeah I, I, the book of psalms is is the the chronicle or the description well not even the description uh, that would be more narrative it, it is the people interacting with god it's living and breathing in that sense it's not a record of of uh, these are things that happened in history, uh, but instead this is the people of God interacting with their God throughout history. 
and, and going forward even even to this day. Now, any category we put on um, on the scriptures, now we do it as human beings as we study the scriptures to kind of give us a little bit better handle on things. But uh, God did not give us, uh, say, the book of Proverbs and say, hey, this is wisdom literature. There's no there's no label attached. We do it because it helps us to to kind of get a handle on, on the 66 books of the Bible. Um, so, whether it is wisdom literature or or simply poetry or whatever doesn't ultimately matter. It's God's word and we receive it as such. But it does have some affinities to what we broadly call wisdom literature. And you look at Psalm 1 and it really gives you the the very basic structure of what wisdom means uh, in the Bible. And it says it gives the two paths, the path of the wicked and the path of the righteous. And the wicked one is the foolish one. The righteous one is the wise one. And this is actually essential to understanding biblical wisdom. The, the wise one is the righteous one, is the believer. The foolish one is the wicked one, is the non-believer. That, that's really, if, if you understand that, you understand biblical wisdom literature. Uh, uh, the so, so it's more than a... Benjamin Franklin yes. kind yeah. of helpful hints yep. or helpful po- positive proverbs for mm-hmm. for living. We're we're talking here about a descriptor or a prescriptor for the Christian life. Yes. Is that a fair yes. way to say? Yeah. It? Yes, a, des- a description of the Christian life, and yes, a prescriptor in the sense that that it informs us and helps us to live uh, as a Christian. Uh, Wisdom is not simply knowing a bunch of stuff. For the Bible, the wise one is the one who believes. And so the fool says in his heart, uh, there is no God. And the begin- the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's really what wisdom literature is all about, is, is that faith is wisdom. And uh, so the, there are these two paths running their way through the Psalms and through other wisdom literature as well. Um, I would say the difference between the other wisdom literature and the Psalms is that the Psalms are meant to be on the lips of God's people prayed to God, uh, prayed to God as they're in Christ. Wisdom literature like Job and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, songs, Song of Solomon, yes, yeah, certainly there are, we can pray those things, uh, but it's it's more meant to kind of wrestle with and examine the things of God. Uh, the Psalms give it to us on our lips and teach us to to actually pray it. You've given us several categories mm-hmm. that Psalms kind of uh, either loosely or very clearly fit into. Mm-hmm. When you talk about a royal psalm, I'm, th- I'm thinking of Psalm 2 here. Yes, exactly. When, yep. when, you, when you talk about a royal psalm, what is it that would distinguish that kind of a psalm from the others. Yeah, a, a royal psalm praises the king, uh, gives praise to the king or praise to God or asks God to bless the king. So so it's very much focused on uh, the blessings that we want to flow to the king and the blessings that we are to receive from the king. And uh, the king certainly in its original context is the Davidic king, is the, is the king of Israel, uh, but none of these psalms can be understood apart from that messianic hope. Uh, because David was promised that one would sit on his throne forever, and that's the Messiah. So, so all of the royal psalms, some much more explicitly than others, have a focus on the coming Messiah. You you used a broad category of messi- uh, messianic 
psalms. How would you distinguish a messianic psalm when you said that all the psalms speak of of God and mm-hmm. of Christ specifically? How would you distinguish a messianic psalm from the others? Yeah, a messianic psalm gives you uh, the hope, proclaims quite uh, explicitly, like like we said, they all teach us the things of God and thus are messianic in a sense, but they they all the messianic psalms quite clearly and directly and explicitly teach us about Jesus and uh, give us actually um, more. Some of them just simply give us that broad hope that we have in a Messiah. Some of them give us some very specific details about his life and his death. The uh, psalms that Jesus quotes from his mm-hmm. lips mm-hmm. would those be considered messianic? Yeah, psalms? yeah, they're messianic in in a couple senses. Uh, some of them are messianic in the sense that he quotes them to give some more uh, to declare his identity. Psalm one ten, Psalm two. Uh, some of them are messianic in the sense that he quotes them in expressing his suffering. Psalm sixty nine, Psalm twenty two. Okay. This is uh, Pastor Clint Poppy. Along with me is Pastor Christopher Morundi. You're listening to At Home in Your Hymnal. We need to take a short break. We're looking today at the use of the book of Psalms, the Psalter, in our hymnal and in our worship service. We'll be back in just a moment. Don't go away. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal, Pastor Clint Poppy, Pastor Christopher Morundi. Today on Episode 6, we are taking a look at the use of the Psalms in our worship, how they are used in the hymnal, how they can be used from your hymnal in your personal and private life. In our previous segment, we, we talked about the book of Psalms in general, and we looked at several of the uh, classifications of Psalms in the hymnal. Pastor, there is one classification of psalms, uh, when you open up your Bible, there are 150 psalms mm-hmm. quite clearly. Yep. Generally, they are designated in five books, mm-hmm. book one, book two, book three, uh, kind of a loose historical or by author designation, but that doesn't really mean much. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at certain psalms, they're royal psalms, yep. they talk about the king, messianic psalms that speak specifically of the person and work of Christ or come literally from his lips, Mess- or, uh, historical psalms that kind of retrace the history of the mm-hmm. children of Israel, many, many psalms of praise and thanksgiving, and some of the psalms are a combination of several yes. of these as well. But you mentioned a category of psalms called the Lament Mm -hmm. Psalms, and these are probably the least familiar Mm -hmm. psalms uh, for the people of God. And uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's a bad thing. <laughs> I think I think it probably is, too, simply because we just don't know our Bibles yep. well enough. And that's, yep. again, uh, part of this program. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the Lament Psalms and what they are and why the person who clings to Christ in faith should be familiar with them. Yeah, the, the lament psalms come out of deep experience of suffering. And sometimes we know quite specifically what kind of suffering is going on. The The title of the psalm tells us something's going on in the life of David. Uh, sometimes it's very general, which is actually kind of nice because then we can uh, apply it to any suffering that we go through. The psalmist makes 
a journey, essentially. And I, I liken it to the wrestling match of Jacob with God. It, it's a wrestling match that goes on. The psalmist begins by describing in very graphic terms, like I said, sometimes not terribly specific, which is good, but very graphic terms, his suffering, and just goes down the list and tells God how bad things are. My life is bad, God. It's terrible. Things are going going horribly. Why don't you do something about it? And the psalmist cries out to God, begs him to come, to intervene, to act according to his, his, uh, his identity, to act according to his promises. And then, th- this is just amazing to me, in almost every single one of them, there's one that is a complete uh, um, exception to this, but in almost every one of them, the psalmist then after he cries out to God, he's told, told God how bad things are. He cries out to God for help. Then he rests in the promises of God. And actually, by the end of the psalm, this guy who had been railing against God, who had been, who had been really trying to take God to the woodshed, really, is praising God, is, in, is having confidence in him. He has been comforted. Uh, through this wrestling match with God, at the other end, he comes out in faith. He comes out in faith. And it's absolutely uh, amazing to see that. The most clear example is Psalm 73, but there are tons of them all the way through. And if you don't, I think if we don't use these Psalms, if we don't take them on our lips, we've lost how the Bible teaches us to deal with suffering. Now, the skeptic might take what you said mm-hmm. and say, oh, you're just getting it off your chest. <laughs> you're you're just... Uh, uh, you know, expressing your your angst and your anguish, and by the end of the psalm, you've kind of talked yourself out of it. <laughs> um, yeah. How how would you respond to that skeptic yeah. that this is more than just a therapeutic exercise? Mm-hmm. I'll let I'll let Psalm seventy three give the answer, and I, I consider this essentially the center of the book of Psalms. Actually, uh, you know, it's seventy three, so it is pretty much the center of the book of Psalms. Psalm 73, 16 and 17. So Asaph, uh, the author of this psalm, has just unloaded on God. And he's essentially told God, uh, it was worthless to follow you. It, it, it's, it's gone me nothing. The wicked are doing great. I keep suffering. It, it, it wasn't worth my time to follow you. And then, verse 16 and 17. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until I went into the sanctuary of God then I discerned their end. He goes to church. He goes and hears God's word, hears the promises of God, and the rest of the psalm is a psalm of praise because he has discerned their end. He has, God hasn't taken away his suffering. Instead, he's been given a new perspective. And he's seen the eternal perspective that, uh, as St. Paul tells us, uh, I consider that the sufferings of this present age are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed. That's what Asaph learns. And in the process of wrestling with God, clinging to the promises in the face of everything that seems contrary, uh, the psalmist comes out clinging to that word, clinging to that word and teaching us how to cling to that word. When, uh, when you look into your hymnal, Mm-hmm. Uh, you will notice that Psalm 73 is actually in yep, That one's actually there. Yep. Because uh, <laughs> in most hymnals, because the hymnals need to be of a limited size and scope simply so the people of God don't have too heavy of a book 
to uh, hold. You can't contain every hymn or every piece of uh, wonderful theology that you'd like to in mm-hmm. one book. So all the Lutheran hymnals have a selected uh, portion of the Psalms. Now, some of the really, really long ones are left out. You yep. can understand that. Yep. But it's been my observation, Pastor, that many of the Psalms that have been edited out uh, for hymnal use, many of those Psalms are the lament Psalms. Yes. Yep. Um, why do you think the, uh, the folks that edited our hymnals and this has been going on since we've had hymnals. Yeah, in the this Lutheran isn't a Church. new thing. No, not a new thing. Why do you think the people of God in control of this edited out many of the lament psalms from the scriptures in a, in use in our hymnal? And uh, why is that a uh, sad and tragic thing? It is a phenomenon that I call being allergic to suffering. We we kind of think if we t- if we talk about suffering if we uh, oh, it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. Yes, it does. Oh, yes, it yeah. does. Okay. That that somehow if I if I interact with suffering too much or I talk about it too much, I'm going to catch it. <laughs> and uh, instead, these psalms teach us how to deal with the suffering when it comes, and uh, it's going to come. It's going to come, dear friends. Now, maybe it's not a competition. Um, maybe some of you will suffer uh, more or less in your life. Um, I've had Christians who have kind of treated it like a competition. They start talking and oh, I, I oh, my, you should see my suffering. You know, I my, yeah. my dog's bigger than yeah, your dog. yeah. So it, it's not a competition. We all we all suffer in our own in our own various uh, and different ways. Um, but these psalms give us the words to say in that myth. So I I really think. They're difficult psalms. I think they're difficult because of how they begin, how much the psalmist unloads on God. And we think uh, that we need to be kind of polite with God. We think we need to we, – <laughs> I think uh, we actually believe that God can't handle it. That's what I think, and I know this from my own experience. That, that you know, we got to be polite with him. We got we to gotta make sure we don't overburden God um, and uh, – I always tell people God's got bigger shoulders than any of us. Um, he can handle it. He can even handle his people crying out to him and saying things like Asaph said, uh, all in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. He tells God straight up, he says, it was worthless for me to follow you because look at my life. Um, and you should see some of the things Jeremiah says to God. Um, so uh, God can handle it. God can handle it. It comes from a voice of faith. I, I think uh, we've, we fundamentally misunderstand how the Old Testament people, and then it's clear in the New Testament as well, uh, that this is, this is clearly Jesus's perspective on it, uh, that uh, this is how you interact with God. You wrestle with him. You bring your prayers and petitions boldly in faith, not in unbelief, but in faith, you bring them to God. This uh, allergy or aversion to suffering, I think, uh, is paramount in a lot of the ways that we approach our worship. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's as simple sometimes as we are naturally, because of the old Adam or old Eve that lives in us, we are naturally drawn to a theology of glory. Yep, exactly. And the reality of the cross, pain, sorrow, and suffering is something that we know. We know each and every day of our lives. And, you know, I don't want to be reminded of it when 
when no. I go to church, when uh, when people are telling me their favorite song, uh, favorite hymns that they want to hear more of in church, rarely do I hear things like uh, "From Depths of Woe I Cry to Thee." <laughs> yep. um, so we are we are drawn to that praise, yep. that glory, that that magnificent. Uh, feeling, if nothing mm-hmm. else, that we have when we are surrounded by the gospel, and yet the gospel is only sweet yeah. when we realize that it is God's solution to our sin and the uh, terrible, terrible suffering that uh, we often do uh, witness mm-hmm. and sometimes personally endure. Now, we've been talking in general about the Psalms. And I want to start to make our shift here uh, with regard to the use of the Psalms in worship. Mm -hmm. Now, before I do this, I want a a basic question that uh, I want to ask you, Pastor. The Psalms that we have before us in our Bibles and in our hymnals, they are words on a page. What do we normally do with words on a page? We read them. Yes, we do. We read them. Were the Psalms originally read by the people of God, or were they sung? They were probably sung. Um, we we really, and it's kind of amazing that, that this has not been preserved through the centuries. Um, we have the words preserved, but we have no idea how they were originally sung. Uh, we have a number of terms in the Psalter that we can't really translate that probably are musical notations of some sort, but we really have no idea how they were sung, but they were sung. They were sung, and and for us today, uh, in the Lutheran Church, um, we uh, we have we have a specific way of singing them typically, and I believe that's Anglican chant. Correct. And uh, so we get we get it from England, and that's how we do it. That's not a Hebrew way of doing, it. and even the modern Hebrews today, the modern Jewish people, chanted in a way that was different than what they did uh, originally. But yes, they were meant to be sung. So today, whether we read or sing or chant the Word of God that is uh, referred to as the Psalter or Mm -hmm. the Psalms, it is still the Word of God, Mm -hmm. the the form or the format in which we uh, read them or express them is not the important thing. The important thing is that it's the Word of God. Last question here, with regard to reading back or singing the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Normally, we think of singing or expressing prayers to God as a sacrificial mm-hmm. act and not a sacramental mm-hmm. act. We know that the scriptures in general are a sacramental act, mm-hmm. God's word to us. Now, you mentioned this briefly at the very, mm-hmm. very beginning of our uh, first part, but I want to bring you back to that mm-hmm. full circle. Is uh, reading or singing the Psalms our response to God or God speaking to us? Yes. <laughs> that, that's the unique thing about the book of Psalms. It is both. It is both. As we pray the Psalms, it is both God speaking to us and us speaking back to God. It's the same thing at the same time. Pretty cool. It is uh, amazingly cool, and that's why we need to get more familiar mm-hmm. with the book of Psalms. We're going to talk about how the Psalms are used in our worship service and uh, also how they can be more uh, incorporated in our own homes when we come back in our next segment. This is proclaiming the, or no, I guess it's not proclaiming <laughs> no, it the not. one. This is at home in your hymnal where we still proclaim the one Jesus Christ. But at home in your hymnal, we need to take a short break. We'll be right back. Let's 
Bach Back, Sundays at noon on KNNA. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal. This is Episode 6. Along with me is Pastor Christopher Morundi. I am Pastor Clint Poppy. We're pastors here at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. We're looking today at the Psalms and specifically how the Psalms are used in worship. I want to begin this segment with a psalm that I think is familiar and yet not familiar with a lot of people. This is Psalm 98. O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of the melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar, let all that fills and all that fills it, the world and all those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. That's Psalm 98, and there are some aspects of a psalm of praise and Mm -hmm. thanksgiving. There are some aspects of a royal psalm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure people are hearing this at this point in time and saying, I'm not familiar with that psalm at all. (laughs) Uh, There's no uh, famous quotes or famous Mm -hmm. lines or uh, no one that I know has a verse from that psalm as a confirmation verse. Pastor, how do people know that psalm? This psalm is much more familiar than you realize. This was the basic basis of Isaac Watts' hymn that we all know, Joy to the World. Joy to the World. And so the psalms are not only sung and read, Many of the psalms have been paraphrased into hymns, some of which are extremely familiar hymns, and for Lutherans, probably the most famous uh, use of a hymn being written or inspired by a particular psalm is Martin Luther reading Psalm 46 Mm -hmm. and then writing and penning his uh, beautiful Reformation hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Now, we are pretty familiar with certain hymns that are Mm -hmm. based on a portion or all of the Psalms. But what I want to talk about in this segment, Pastor, is the way that we use, sing, read, speak responsively, however that is done, the actual text of the Mm -hmm. Psalms in the worship service. Now, we know that this has been going on for thousands of years in the church. And so uh, that should not surprise us. It is nothing new. However, when people come into God's house, uh, they are not always familiar with hearing, reading, or singing a psalm. The uh, typical worship service in a Protestant, and uh, specifically here, a Lutheran church, Mm -hmm. is to come into God's house, to sing a hymn, 
to have the scriptures read to you, to have a sermon preached on one of those scripture texts, some prayers, mm-hmm. an offering, uh, maybe the Lord's Supper, maybe not, uh, and then another hymn, mm-hmm. and then you go home. And a worship service may or may not include a psalm. Mm-hmm. Pastor, how do you think that it went from the book of Psalms being a primary core in the worship life of a congregation, even Christian congregations for the last 2,000 years, to the fact that today in many churches, the Psalms are relegated to second-class citizenship Mm -hmm. or completely omitted. How did that happen? Marcion won. Okay, now, now, okay, you've you've introduced a name and uh, a term, uh, a term that is uh, bantered about quite freely in the Lutheran confessions. Condemned mm-hmm. is Marcionism. What are you talking about okay. here when we when we talk? And I think there's an overt Marcionism, mm-hmm. uh, kind of the Thomas Jefferson cut and paste yep. Bible, yep. to a more soft yeah. or subliminal antinomianism. Uh, Marcion was an early church heretic, and he thought that the God of the Old Testament was some sort of previous God or something like that that was replaced by Christ and the Christian God. And so for him, he utterly rejected the entirety of the Old Testament um, and, and said Christians are only to adhere to the New Testament. Well, the church roundly condemned him and said, no, the entire scriptures speak of Christ and the Old Testament points forward to Christ, the New Testament points forward back to Christ, points back to Christ and proclaims Christ to the world, and uh, the church condemned him. And you would have thought that was the end of the matter. But Marcion kind of ended up triumphing over the course of history because Christians functionally, as the church became more, less and less Jewish and more and more Gentile, uh, we kept losing more and more of a connection and a knowledge of the Old Testament. And that includes the, simply the various narratives of the Old Testament, some of the books. It includes the use of the Psalms. And as the church moved away from its Jewish Old Testament roots, which I, I call them Jewish roots, but they're really, I, if you understand the scriptures as Christ does, they are the Christian roots of, of, uh, of the scriptures are the Old Testament. They're all the same book, really. Uh, as we lost that through the centuries, the Psalms were more collateral damage along that line. And so today, uh, we kind of have to work pretty hard uh, as Christians to understand and appreciate and use the Old Testament. It's it's almost like in our deep desire to keep a Christian worship service at uh, 60 minutes or less, <laughs> or if you talk to some pastors, 50 minutes or less, or a Wednesday night Advent or Lenten service, 40 minutes or less, that you just have to start scrapping things. <laughs> and sadly, one of the things that is generally the first to be scrapped is the reading of the Scriptures. Mm-hmm. And almost universally, the very, very, very first thing to scrap is not the Old Testament Mm -hmm. reading, the epistle reading, or the gospel reading. Thank God when churches have those. But the first thing to scrap is the use of a psalm or an introit in the worship service. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that uh, Pastor Morundi and I have worked very, very hard at is to reintroduce the psalms 
to the people of God here at Good Shepherd. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways we do that is by making sure, if at all possible, the introit is said or spoken uh, at every worship service mm-hmm. that we have. We take time in our Proclaiming the One mm-hmm. Bible passage to, or uh, uh, radio program to emphasize the importance of that introit in our worship services. And I think some people appreciate that and some people don't. I had one of our members uh, a few years ago come up to me and say, uh, Pastor, what is this introit thing? When I was a kid growing up in the Lutheran church, we didn't have an introit. We didn't use an introit. I don't even know what that means. And as I look through the hymnals that I brought along to our session today, going all the way back to the 1924 edition of the Evangelical Lutheran Hymn Book, there are introits included Mm -hmm. for every Sunday and festival in the church here. Mm -hmm. Pastor, if you could explain to us what an introit is in relationship to the book of Psalms and how that introit is incorporated into the worship service. Well, first, uh, to to introduce this, uh, a bit of uh, liturgical history. when the when the Christians, the early Christians worshipped, uh, when Christianity became an official religion, and they started worshiping in pretty large spaces, first uh, Roman imperial halls, and then they started building their own uh, cathedrals. Uh, it was a huge space, and psalms were used. And I don't want this isn't derogatory in any sense. They were used to cover movement. When the clergy was moving from one place to another, the people would sing a psalm. And so actually the way the service would start, and I, I saw this in Africa, uh, actually, and I, I, I don't know if there's any, any connection to this, but I saw the same phenomenon in Africa. They didn't have clocks, so the people would show up about the time of day, right? They couldn't be precise, and they would simply sing psalms until the clergy showed up. And then they would sing the psalm appointed for the day as the clergy moved from the back of the church to the front of the church. And that was the introit. It's the the Latin word for uh, – um, uh, you would know that very Enter, well. Entering uh, or something it, like that. Coming in. We, we, uh, we, uh, you can kind of see it there. Inter, coming into. Introit. And so that was the psalm that everyone sang as the clergy made it made their way up to the front of the church. The gradual was similar. Uh, the gradual partway through the service, we the people of God sung that as there was shifting and moving going around. So, so a lot of these liturgical songs based on the Psalms or direct quotations of the Psalms uh, were used as the people up front were moving from one place to another in these huge spaces that they had. And so it comes all the way to us uh, to this day uh, where the intro gets us into the service in a physical way. Now, we don't, you and I don't start the service in the back of the church and wait to come in for the intro, but uh, it gets us into the service now in a theological way in that it sets the t- tone for the entire rest of the service. And we've been exploring that uh, uh, to, I hope, the great edification of our, of our audience uh, in the Proclaiming the One. When we have an introit, we have, uh, or a gradual for that matter, uh, we have snippets of the Psalms. Uh, How is that a good way to introduce people to the theology of the Psalms, while at the same time not uh, maybe overburdening them with uh, more than they're 
uh, attention span can handle. Yeah, and introit is usually what uh, ten verses, something like that. Ten, even ten that, or less. Yeah, ten or less. And so it's a, it's an easily digestible version. There are not that many psalms that are that short in their entirety, and uh, so it gives us a nice smaller condensed version that's been carefully crafted and sometimes an Old Testament text from the prophets, uh, sometimes a text from another psalm, sometimes even a New Testament text every once in a while, sometimes a liturgical text uh, crafted by the church is put in there as the antiphon. And it's an easy way to uh, for the people of God to say and to speak and to chant the psalms and get a taste for them without, um, you know, I'm looking at one Psalm 102 in front of me, and that's 28 verses. And so it, get, it gives a little bit of an easier um, chunk to deal with. When, uh, when we are confronted with an introit at church, we need to be reminded that this is not simply to cover a liturgical movement. No. This is the very Word yes, of it God. Is. Yep. And it was carefully crafted and chosen to tie in with the general theme of the day many times it sets the mood and yeah. sets the theme for the day it should as yeah. we've as we've been uh, discussing uh, for over a year now on proclaiming the one but this word of god is dripping with Christ. Mm-hmm. It is dripping with the forgiveness of sins. It is dripping with the reality that one day we will die and we will face our maker. It is dripping with justification on account of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And it roots us in our historical moorings because the entire history of the Old Testament is our history. And it also takes no pleasure in whitewashing the reality of the life that Mm -hmm. we live. Our life on this side of heaven is oftentimes full of pain and suffering and sorrow. God in Christ is the answer and solution to that suffering and sorrow. That's why, uh, just simply one of many reasons why we need to be reacquainted and reintroduced with this portion of God's Word. This is At Home in Your Hymnal. We need to take a short break. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal. Pastor Clint Poppy, Pastor Christopher Murundi. We're Broadcasting from KNNA 95.7 LP here in Lincoln, Nebraska. We are pleased to be pastors here at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln. Please join us in person uh, every Sunday morning at 8 and 1030 with Sunday school, Bible study for all ages in between. Wednesday evenings year-round at 6.30 p.m. And as you come to our worship services in person or listen on the archives of our radio website or our church website, you will be confronted with the Psalms. This is one area where we have uh, made an intentional uh, choice to make sure that we include this part of the Scripture. The, the, the Word of God is the power of God unto salvation. And uh, if we're going to skip anything to uh, make the worship service a little shorter or a little more palatable, we are certainly not going to skip the Word of God. Now, Pastor, when uh, someone comes into a worship service at Good Shepherd uh, or in uh, many 
confessional, liturgical, orthodox Lutheran churches throughout the world, uh, what are some ways that they will be introduced to the Psalms? Okay, so so we have the introit and the gradual, which are both uh, portions of the book of Psalms, and... Uh, uh, put there in for liturgical reasons to match the the themes of the day, and uh, those are typically chanted. Uh, not always; they they could be spoken. Um, here at Good Shepherd, we sing them together. I've been at churches where the pastor will sing uh, one verse, and the people will sing the other, ver- the next verse, and go back and forth. I've seen that sort of pattern before. Um, on my vicarage, we chanted the gradual by ourselves, the the clergy, the the pastor, and or myself. Uh, chanted the the gradual by ourselves. It's kind of church uh, congregational custom. So you have those two texts, which are kind of the primary ones. But you're going to find as you work your way through the the worship service and our new hymnal. Well, it's not very new anymore, but uh, uh, the Lutheran service book is very helpful in this regard because it gives the verse references. And so as you work your way through the services, especially the prayer offices, but also in the divine service, you find a lot of references to the Psalms. And so a lot of the words that we say back and forth, clergy and people, uh, pastor and people, are from the Psalms. Our responses back and forth from the Psalms, just kind of permeating, running its way through, uh, through the service. And then we have liturgical hymns, liturgical songs uh, that are direct, either direct or paraphrase of the Psalm. Uh, one I'm looking at right now is the Offertory in Divine Service setting number three comes from Psalm 51, verses 10 to 12, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Uh, that one is, is especially common and, uh, and well-known to us. Um, you have in uh, Matins, you have the Venite, and that is Psalm 96. 96, yes, yeah, 96, O come. Uh, uh, o come, o come let us sing to, to the, the Lord. Lord. Uh, I'm looking here at Divine Service saying number three, or the Thanksgiving after the Lord's Supper. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. That's Psalm 107. And so you have the Psalms working their way through the entirety of of the worship service, sometimes quite explicitly and right there in front of you, and you're actually quoting from the Psalms, sometimes a paraphrase or in a song, and sometimes in in the very words that the pastor and people speak uh, back and forth as they work their way through. And also every Sunday has a Psalm of the Day, most churches I don't don't necessarily use that. It's typically the introit is what is used, but it can be used uh, either in place of the introit or of the gradual. And so sometimes we sometimes on Wednesday nights we'll occasionally use that. And so that's another place as well. When uh, a preacher has to make a decision on what particular text he'll be preaching on for the upcoming Sunday, Wednesday, festival, funeral, wedding, whatever it may be, Uh, when that preacher has to make a decision, rarely, in my experience, do the Psalms or the introit or the gradual uh, appear top on the list (laughs) of uh, portions of God's Word to proclaim for the edification of the mm-hmm. people of God mm-hmm. in a law and gospel way. Make your best case, <laughs> Pastor Murundi, for the preacher to seriously consider the psalm of the day, mm-hmm. the introit, 
or a gradual, or even one of the liturgical texts that you mentioned, and they are everywhere in our hymnal, make your best case for why a pastor should seriously consider incorporating this into his overall preaching. Yeah, it has been a debate throughout church history whether the Psalms are to be preached, and I think I think certainly the answer is yes. And I hope you would say that because yeah. I've heard you preach on that. <laughs> And the the reason would be I, I think there's there's a couple of reasons. Number one, because it's the word of God. I mean, it, it's a very unique word of God in in what we said before. That's not only God's word to us, but our word back to God. So a very unique uh, kind of the word of God to us. But it, it is the word of God. So any any piece of the word of God is worth is worth taking time to preach on. But I think uh, not only do the Psalms have this treasure to unfold to us that we've been talking about this entire program but also in a very didactic way, a very teaching way. Um, preaching on these psalms can help unfold and uncover things that people may have just kind of become just rote and they don't pay much attention to. And so for the preacher and for the hearers um, to maybe stop uh, or in a matin service and preach on the venite, on Psalm 90, 95 it is, and preach on Psalm 95 may unfold something that everyone just kind of says because we've been saying it every Sunday. And so that could unfold something uh, and, and bring forth some things to the people of God. And the intro, too, it's very easy to kind of pass right over it. Uh, but once you start rem- uh, understanding how much the intro it sets the tone for the day and preaching on it can do that, um, that's pretty amazing, too. Uh, the gradual is typically... Uh, not associated with one day, but typically with several Sundays or a season, and that can help kind of set the tone for for the season by preaching on the gradual. So there are there are plenty of reasons to unfold the Psalms, both for the sake of the Psalms themselves, and all, then also for the sake of our worship. Was uh, several years ago on Thanksgiving that I decided to preach on the offertory from Divine Service Setting 1 mm-hmm. and Setting 2, What Shall I Render to the Lord yep. for All His Benefits it's to Me? me. Yep. And uh, I had many, many comments from the people of God here. Uh, first of all, saying, oh, I didn't realize that that song was actually from the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> and second yep. of all, talking about the theology in that psalm and in that particular liturgical piece of song that we sing and how that fits into the overall um, structure of the worship service, that flow that is back and forth, but even more so, how it teaches not only that proper sacrifice of praise in the worship service, but something to take home with you, Mm -hmm. uh, that sacrifice of praise in the Christian life. With the time that we have left in this segment, this is episode six of At Home in Your Hymnal, with the time that we have left, Pastor, how could the person of God better incorporate the Psalms in a personal devotional life, in uh, family devotions, in uh, prayer life and struggling with the real issues that we have? What are some thoughts with regard to taking the theology of the Psalms that we've talked about on this program into our home and using that word in a very specific way. 
there there are a number of resources out there that help you work through the Psalms. Uh, the first one I point you to is in Lutheran Service Book, page 304. There is a table of the Psalms for daily prayer. And it says here, the following seasonal Psalm cycle may be used with the assigned readings in the daily lectionary. In addition to the Psalms uh, appointed for each season, there's a bunch of other ones that you can say. And what was that and page number again, That is Pastor? page 304. 304 yep. in Lutheran service. Yeah. And so that gives you a structure to be reading these psalms. A lot of devotional books that you pick up, if they're good, will often suggest a psalm for each day. So go ahead and pray them. And... Uh, um, if you have the Treasury of Daily Prayer, which is, a, which is a wonderful resource, it usually has a portion of a psalm, 10 to 12 verses, and then it has an alternate psalm. And I, I would encourage you if, uh, uh, to take time to read uh, probably, the, I would say, the entirety of both of the psalms that are, that are appointed for that day. So that's one way to start is to simply start reading these psalms more often and uh, having them be a part of your daily rhythm and life as a Christian. The other way to do it is to become familiar, and there, of course these two tie together, is to become familiar with the contents of the book of Psalms, uh, which Psalms are, are good for different situations. And I suppose you could go to your Bible. I mean, the Lutheran Study Bible has a chart that says categories of the Psalms, but that's not really a category of the Psalm for, uh, for devotional or uh, use at, the, uh, at different situations of your life. Um, I have a sheet, and Pastor, you have it in front of you, I believe, uh, called the Lord's Prayer and the Psalter. And this, this is, yeah, this is one of the, one of the most. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> this is one of the more helpful resources I have in my file cabinet. In fact, it's starting to get faded because I've copied it so many times. Um, the Book of Psalms can be quite overwhelming, and uh, to know exactly which psalm to turn to in which situation can be difficult. And so this is a nice chart put together by one of my professors from the seminary, Professor Pless. And he took the suggestion of Martin Luther, uh, kind of distilled through um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that the Lord's Prayer could provide a framework for understanding the Psalms. And so Professor Pless took him up on that offer and divided up the, the book of Psalms according to the seven petitions and the introduction and conclusion of the Lord's Prayer. So he's classified uh, the book of Psalms into nine different classifications. Now, it's obviously, you know, there's some that, that he, he had to make a, a decision it's on. It's a little arbitrary, yeah, it's but a little it's pretty arbitrary. good. Yeah, but it's very helpful. So I often, if, I, if someone wants to, uh, is looking for psalms to read at a deathbed or something like that, this is a resource I give to them um, because that allows them to get a little bit more of a handle on the Psalter. Okay, these are the psalms if uh, in times of temptation. These are the psalms for uh, confession and absolution. So, yeah, it, it's very... Uh, very helpful, and if you, definitely if you're in the Lincoln area, um, get in touch with me, and I'll I'll give you copies of these. I'm I've got a bunch of them in my, in my desk, and we can talk with our tech people yeah. as well to see if we can't figure out a way to get a copy of this on our on radio the, on the website and yep. church website yep. as well. Yep. Pastor, in the time that we have left, um, explain to your hearers right now the Latin phrase "lex orende, lex." credende yeah. and how that ties in with everything we've talked about yeah. on this episode six 
incorporating the Psalms in our mm-hmm. worship. This, this is the law of prayer is the law of, uh, of believing. And so what it means is uh, essentially your doctrine and your practice go together. <laughs> and how you pray, how you worship is going to reflect your doctrine. And if you are praying and worshiping in a false way or in a wrong way, then that's going to affect the teaching you have and, and vice versa. If you believe in a wrong way, your your worship is going to reflect this. And where else can we go to uh, have ourselves oriented correctly, both in uh, our right believing and then on our right practice, our right praying, then in the book of Psalms. Where else can we go but God's Word? It's been my experience that uh, too often Christians, the people of God, are not familiar with the Word of God. They are uh, ignorant when it comes to much of Scripture and especially the deep truths of Scripture. I hope and pray that this program has been an inspiration to get you into the Word of God and today specifically into the Word of God, which is the Psalms. I want to close today with Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. That faithfulness my friends, extends to you. Thank you for tuning in to At Home in Your Hymnal. We'll see you again next time.